This is Musonomics. I'm Larry Miller from the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt, and I'm joined on this episode by Musonomics' new senior producer, Carmen Cuesta-Roca. Thanks for that intro, Larry. On this episode of Musonomics, we'll be talking to advocates of the blockchain about what it is and why now may be the time for the music industry to adopt this technology. We'd like to warn you before we go on with the show that this episode includes some explicit language. On this episode, we'll hear from Pledge Music founder Benji Rogers, media technologist Bill Rosenblatt, and the artist, composer, performer Imogen Heap on why this is so important. The recorded music industry today is less than half the size it was 15 years ago. That's a really bad growth rate. And as more and more people listen to music through digital means, the data around who wrote, performed, and owns the music has become even more critical than ever before as analog dollars become digital dimes. The data about the music is called metadata, which literally means data about data. With metadata, all those involved in writing, making, and owning the song can be easily identified. But metadata is a big mess today. Imagine the creation of a database that would contain all of the data about all of the music that there already is, as well as all music going forward. And imagine this database is available everywhere and owned by no one. Enter the blockchain. As a music industry outsider, all this blockchain talk was really new to me, and the first thing I wanted to do was define the blockchain. In my head, I saw it as a sort of online database that can hold huge amounts of intricate data. But it's not so much a database. All I knew was that the blockchain is the main innovation of Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency. Exactly. But think of the blockchain as a distributed ledger. It's basically a ledger in the accounting sense, but everyone has a copy of it, and everyone's copy of it is automatically updated at the same time. And although we won't discuss Bitcoin at length on this episode, it's helpful to understand that everyone who uses a currency's blockchain has a full copy of every transaction ever executed in that currency. Think of blockchain as a framework or a set of train tracks that different cryptocurrency networks like Bitcoin run on. Now, you might think that in an industry as digital as the music industry, with about 40 million tracks in the Anglo-American repertoire alone and growing at about 100,000 new tracks a month, there would be a kind of a database that contains information about every song, who wrote it, who performed it, who owns it. But there is no such thing. So the, the approach I took, and it was very deliberate, was to do a huge amount of advocacy, stick my neck out personally, and come up with a technical solution that, that is not radically difficult. I don't get me wrong, I mean, I couldn't do it tomorrow. It's, 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 you know, there's very people that know how to do this stuff, but that is largely about getting people around this idea that wouldn't it be amazing if you could know who to pay and how to contact anyone that was involved in the work. And that's Benji Rogers, the founder of Pledge Music and the author of two posts advocating blockchain technology within the music industry. Benji is the driving force behind the Dot Blockchain music project. Blockchain initiatives like Benji's 
are sprouting up to solve the absence in the music industry of just such a database, which could solve some of the music industry's most pressing problems. One of the biggest is knowing which labels and publishers and which performers, songwriters, and producers own the rights to songs and recordings and what their split of royalties is. Right now, there's no way to ensure that everybody who should get paid is getting paid what they're supposed to get paid. The blockchain might even sort out the payments of those royalties. Supporters of the technology foresee a world where every time a song is sold or streamed, the royalties are divided up and paid immediately. The blockchain can record permanently every single transaction, is what first piqued Benji's interest in exploring blockchain technology as a key solution to help make the music industry more transparent. Digital permanence would be revolutionary for the music industry because, oddly enough, it doesn't exist. Today, anything that we do in digital space is changeable. So if you were to send me a song, I can alter its metadata completely. I can alter it musically, I can alter it because nothing from the genesis moment that it happens to the point at which I'm consuming or, or altering it, everything there can be altered. There's no kind of, it happened on this day at this time. So is Benji saying that if you and I were to work on a song together, Larry, you could go and change the metadata of that song without consulting me so that you could claim a bigger stake? Pretty much. Let's say we do write a song together and that you claim 75% and I do too. But there's no recording yet. We just wrote the song. The recording doesn't exist. You say to your publisher... I've written a song with Larry, I own 75%, register it with my performing rights organization like ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC in the United States. And at the same time, you could also go register 75% for yourself with your PRO. The blockchain really solves the issue of accountability. So if Larry registers our song with the incorrect data in the blockchain, he's doing it publicly. There'll be a moment where it'll say you're about to publicly commit this to the blockchain, including your contact information, you know, so if you ever want to work on this network again, know that this is what people are going to go see. Every network in the blockchain would be able to see the same set of minimum viable data associated with the song before it gets pushed out into the world. What Benji is proposing is a new file format like MP3, a codec called the .bc. It's your song name .bc ensures that rights are enshrined in whatever is being sent. This new way of encoding music is secure, transparent, and permanent. If you rip something out of the .bc and try and push it into YouTube, YouTube would say, wait, we've got the original of this song, because you can listen for it digitally. What are you trying to do with this thing? You know, like, are you claiming that you own it? In which case, make a claim. The consumer level, regular consumers, won't really see this. They'll still interact with the platforms as they would. The difference would be is if they've made a wedding video with a Beyonce song on it. As it goes into YouTube, YouTube would say, this is Beyonce. Is it available for uh, wedding videos? Yes, off it goes. But it's monetizing back to Beyonce and or hopefully an independent artist as well. When a song is streamed or downloaded, there's a set of transactions that get kicked off as a result of that consumer action which result in everybody who should get paid getting paid what they're supposed to get paid. 
And that's another very exciting thing about blockchain technology. It could eventually be used to actually pay artists as transactions occur on the blockchain. But for now, Benji is sticking to solving just the metadata problem. A lot of claims were made about what blockchains can and can't do in this area. And a lot of them are, I would say, ambitious in scope. And yet I wouldn't put my credit card information into a lot of the systems that are being proposed personally. Benji isn't being overly pessimistic. He just wants to solve one problem at a time. Transactions on the blockchain need to have metadata attached to them. And without a comprehensive database, transactions won't be accurate. What's the point in a technology that can pay creators quickly if it pays them incorrectly? You put shit information in, you're going to get even worse information out the back end. Part of the iceberg that's below the waterline here is figuring out what that data should be. So the idea of minimum viable data is very important. And Benji sees this as an ongoing project. So this system will be by design imperfect. It's designed to go in with a minimum kernel of truth, what we call minimum viable data, and then it's designed to be added to. Several music rights databases do exist on a national level, such as the databases maintained by the United States Copyright Office and the performing rights organizations, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and the Harry Fox Agency in the U.S. Yet, at the very best, they provide information about a small fragment of the works that exist in the music industry and can suffer from a number of other issues, including inaccuracy and inaccessibility. Creating an alternative and more comprehensive database was the goal of a group of performing rights organizations, music publishers, and technology companies, which coalesced around the Global Repertoire Database effort. Unfortunately, the Global Repertoire Database crashed and burned. In July of 2014, the attempt to create the GRD was shelved, but at least it was really expensive. It was reported that collection societies pulled out, with ASCAP allegedly being the first one to retract from the project and withdraw funding. Then other PROs and publishers left. The combined loss of funding and data left the GRD unable to move forward. There were other factors that could have contributed to the failure of the GRD. Data would be coming into the GRD from a number of different sources, each of which used its own data standards, making it difficult to provide consistent and updated information. Writers and publishers often buy and sell their copyright and administrative interests in songs, so information on who to pay changes over time. So for all its strengths in terms of digital permanence and accuracy of information, blockchain technology alone is not enough to solve the music industry's problems. The lack of an industry-wide standard on metadata was the motivating factor of the global repertoire database. Can blockchain solve it? The answer is no. The blockchain itself doesn't solve it. And as the the chief technical officer on the project will attest, it's 90% advocacy, 10% technology. What Benji is saying is that it really matters a lot how blockchain is advocated within the industry with music creators, rights holders, and governments, and not simply a technology solution on its own. Imogen Heap, singer-songwriter and composer, is an advocate of blockchain technology. She launched her own blockchain initiative to help guide the discussion on metadata, 
Here's Imogen at Midem, a music conference in France from early June. I want this song to give all of the information that I could possibly want to know about it. Anybody wanting to do business with this song, I want them to know everything they need to know. So it could be songwriting information, correct lyrics, my latest biography, my latest press images. Um, it could be where in the world I wrote that song, what was the guitar that I used, who was the you know, engineer, um, what the name of my PA is. What, whatever people want to know, I want to be able to share that. I want, I want these songs to act as a beacon uh, of information for people to be be able to, to, gra- to grapple with that and to be able to do business with that in the most simplest and easy flow way as possible. The initiative is called mycelia, as in the organism, the vegetative part of a fungus consisting of a network of fine white filaments that pop out into the world as mushrooms and trees. I see the services in the world, like the iTunes and the Spotify's and the YouTube's of this world, as mushrooms and trees. And the goodness, the source of those uh, organisms, are the songs. All the creators, the artists, the recording, you know, the producers, all the people that make the videos, the stylists, whoever, just who make that creative product that the whole industry is based upon, and without it would completely fail. So how can we protect that? that core, that structure, that ecosystem, so that we can have a sustainable future music industry. And this notion of protecting the ecosystem of the music industry is at the core of an enterprise aimed at better compensating creators. The Open Music Initiative, spearheaded by the Berklee College of Music Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship, and now including dozens of other academic and industry organizations, at its first meeting in New York. Carmen and I attended it last week. And as someone new to covering the music industry, I was really intrigued to see what Carmen's impressions were. Well, I found it really academic, not just because I saw a bunch of name badges printed with NYU, MIT, and Berkeley. When we sat down to listen about what the Open Music Initiative is, it got very buzzwordy. Advocacy. Bias to action. Antidisciplinary. Interoperability. Now, that one's a mouthful, but interoperability is a really good way to describe in one word how the music industry should approach and implement blockchain technology. We need to allow existing systems to talk to each other and allow new business models to be built on top of it. In other words, we need industry-wide standards for metadata that agreed upon minimal kernel of data in order to go forward with using blockchain technology. What the music industry really needs is a commons-based digital infrastructure that everyone benefits from, but no one owns. The blockchain has the potential to be this, but only if implemented in the right way. As it happens, music isn't the first industry to think about using this kind of digital infrastructure. Much larger sectors of the economy, like financial services and certain government agencies, have been implementing blockchain-based solutions. To understand more about the challenges facing industries developing new technical standards to drive digital commerce, we spoke with Bill Rosenblatt of Giant Steps Media Technology Strategies. I've been involved in in various standards initiatives going back to the mid-90s. Bill has a background in electrical engineering and computer science. He's a contributor to Forbes. And at Giant Steps, Bill helps content industries navigate through the digital transition. Standards are things that sound nice. Everyone's going to play together and be happy and, you know, not beat each other up and so forth. But the problem is that they require a lot of agreement 
by a lot of parties on a lot of detail. Standards are important in helping remove friction and drive digital commerce forward. But Bill thinks it's very important to actually build things, experiment, and learn as part of the process. Standards or market initiatives of any sort, whether they involve standards or not, are hard to get off the ground if everyone just wants to sit around and talk about it, about how nice it would be if this got done. So rather than waiting for everyone to get on a stationary bandwagon, blockchain initiatives need to get the bandwagon rolling down the road and get players to hop on later. The Open Music Initiative is all about this, as is Imogen Heap's Mycelia Initiative. It's about starting a discussion and encouraging participation in solving a problem. What, what I'd love to suggest is because I've been on so many panels about this and I've, I've spoken to so many people about what we could do, what we could do. And the thing is, when we're trying to look at the whole music industry as a, a large, it's ginormous and it involves, you know, millions of people. And I, lots of people are now starting to talk about pilot, just getting, just do a pilot, just show that this, imagine what this ecosystem could be, see it working, see all the different systems, anyone wanting to get involved, you know, just come in and see how we could link into this system, how we could become this system. And even Benji's initiative isn't biting off more than it can chew. The implementation side is the Bitcoin blockchain isn't big enough for what we need it for. It will have to go to a bigger system later on. But we're going to prove it works here. And my goal is, yeah, a year. In three months, he hopes to have 600,000 songs in the .bc system, which will get people interested and allow the project to raise some money. In a very ambitious plan, Benji wants all digital service providers to switch over to only accepting .bcs by the middle of next year. The music industry isn't the first one to struggle with the problem of incorrect or incomplete metadata. In the late 1990s, there was a similar dilemma in book publishing. Here's Bill Rosenblatt. Amazon was becoming the 800-pound gorilla of the print book retail business, and it was doing it online. And it was getting all these different feeds from thousands of different publishers about the products that were being sold. Bill used to work in book publishing. Amazon was in a position of leverage where they could basically say, we don't want to have to process thousands of different data formats from different publishers and distributors. Ideally, we want one. We want one format. So the book industry threw a couple of standards bodies. The standards committees found a standard, tweaked it, and founded Onyx. They got book publishers and distributors to adopt it, and that became the standard format for product metadata in book publishing. But it was only able to happen because of Amazon's dominance in the market. That doesn't exist in the music industry today. You could say that YouTube slash Google is the powerful entity in the streaming business, and you could possibly say that Apple is still the powerful entity in the download business, even though the download business is in decline. And the transactions are on the same, roughly the, the same set of, uh, of material. So I'm not sure whether we can say that there's one player, but there's certainly a small number of them. It won't be as easy to reach a standard on metadata in the music industry, but Bill still has hope in blockchain technology. There needs to be an incentive, there needs to be an impeller of momentum. And if it's not a disruptor like Amazon in book publishing, it's the influx of a lot of venture capital money and entrepreneurial zeal around this topic. And I think that counts for a lot. 
In our last episode, we described just how hard it is for startups to make money in the digital music industry. So the attention blockchain is receiving is impressive. You, you can't swing a dead cat around various areas such as New York, London, and so forth without hitting a blockchain music startup. And I think that's a great thing. There's a lot of activity and resources that, that didn't exist a couple years ago. And so I think uh, the odds are good that good things are going to happen. But just as we discussed last week, often it is the laws in place surrounding music copyright that put startups in a bind. Whatever new systems or technologies or standards come into being have to exist in this legally very complex and often ambiguous environment. And so some clashes with what the law is uh, now and what it may become because there are legislative reform efforts happening are inevitable and that's going to cause friction but hopefully the market will dictate where the solutions go and the laws will at least not stop good things from happening. The blockchain might be able to solve some of the music industry's most intractable challenges it would correctly identify rights holders and how much they are owed. And that information is public and permanent. One day, blockchain technology could even be used to distribute payments to those rights holders. But the music industry is complex. There are so many different stakeholders whose interests aren't necessarily aligned, from a singer-songwriter all the way up to the largest global music companies. As enthusiastic as its supporters are, the adoption of blockchain will be won or lost not on the merits of the technology, but to the degree its advocates gain the support of numerous stakeholders with competing interests. That's it for this episode of Musonomics. Thank you to our guests Benji Rogers, Imogen Heap, and Bill Rosenblatt. Special thanks to the Reed Meetem organization and Cliff Fluitt. The Musonomics podcast is produced by Musonomics LLC, strategy consulting and analytics for and about the music industry. This episode was produced by editorial director Carmen Cuesta Roca and engineered by Travis Bodor, with help from Judy Choi, Alonzo Villagomez, J.J. Thornhill, Kiana Agina, and Samantha Tubner. Thanks to Ron Sadoff and Catherine Moore. From the Music Business Program at NYU Steinhardt, I'm Larry Miller. And I'm Carmen Cuesta Rocca. Thanks for listening to Musonomics. <laughs>